going on but let's let's go ahead and talk about what we're going to be getting into in episode 27 of the catfish and ice podcast this is chad benton your host with rich howe and colin bluen i think we're all doing pretty good tonight after watching the preds beat the stanley cup champs finally <laughs> oh yes monkey Crazy. off the bat i mean it only it only took five games to finally beat them but you know what it still feels great because let's we're going to talk about it but this preds team is not, nowhere near full strength, and we know that happens to a lot of teams, but we're still going to take that because when you're missing Roman Yossi, Ryan Ellis, Matt Duchesne, uh, you know, when you're missing players like that, UC Soros, your your uh, other goaltender, and you're using Lucas it, Dawson, you're using <laughs> Lucas Pisa. <laughs> Lucas Pisa, how can we leave him out? We leave him out all the time. <laughs> when you're missing those types of players and you're already a team that's limited, it's a pretty unexpected win. It feels great. So, of course, we're going to dissect the win on a rare Monday afternoon, a 3 o'clock non-holiday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday afternoon. It, like ha- it has my time schedule all messed up. But we're going to get, get into that game. We're going to talk about Pecorine. Why would we not talk about Pecorine? Um, and we planned this segment before t- – before this afternoon's game, just so everyone knows this. Uh, but we're gonna we really gotta have a Pecorine appreciation segment. We're gonna talk about everything he's done for the franchise. We're gonna talk about Adam Vinian's article that he put on the Athletic, which is a great article. Everyone needs to go check it out. Uh, subscribe to the Athletic; it's well worth your money. Uh, he put out a really good article, so we're gonna talk about what Pecorine said about that. If you haven't seen it yet. And then we're going to end the show with March Madness. Why would we not? We're all sports fans and everyone loves filling out a bracket. We're going to reveal our brackets. And I don't know what Rich's bracket is. I don't know what Colin's bracket is. We're all in a pool on the show. And we're going to see who can pull this one out. We're going to reveal our brackets, talk about how we feel about it, and get into that to round out episode 27. So are we ready to go, guys? We're ready to go, Colin and Rich? Yep. Yes, sir. Awesome. So let's talk about DraftKings real quick before we get into episode 27. DraftKings is the top-rated sports book in America. They are awesome. And we have March Madness. And there's going to be no shortage of madness. It always happens. Every March, we have crazy madness. We have March Madness back. We missed it last year, unfortunately, with COVID-19. We have it back this year. And we have an awesome deal for you if you go out and get the Sportsbook app right now. You can bet $4 and win $256 on your underdogs. Everyone picks underdogs in their brackets. I know you got some underdogs out there. Share it with us right now if you're watching the broadcast live. Uh, DraftKings is a safe, secure, and reliable uh, source. Get your winnings quickly through the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So go download the top-rated Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $4 into $256. 
If the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset, that's code THPN to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, please call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So we're going to reveal our brackets later at the end of episode 27. But let's go ahead and get into this big win, this Monday afternoon win of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Confidence was probably pretty low in most people, and that's understandable. Uh, but, hey, the Preds went out, and they started the game, which we've seen them do this a lot recently. They started the game with a lot of energy, a lot of feistiness, a lot of uh, – a lot of energy, a lot of aggression, and they weren't backing down. How about Ben Harper? Started everything mm-hmm. off by squaring off with Pat Maroon. Yeah, that's how you get that some was- respect. <laughs> I mean, Maroon was picking a fight all day too because he had Olivier taking him on yeah. too. But yeah, he, so we were we're getting into it. So this fight starts off the game. We got to start it off right here. So so Ben Harper squares off, and I mean they're like measuring each other up. This wasn't one of those scrums where they just. By the time the camera gets to them, they're already, like, falling to the ice. No, this was like a boxing match. They were like mm-hmm. – and it was right when the puck was dropped, basically. And I'm already thinking in my head, okay, well, if we're going to lose, let's go ahead and go out with a fight at least. And so I loved it. And Harper held his own. He got the uh, – Maroon pulled the whole the whole uh, veteran uh, trick of pulling the jersey over his head. And Harper was still swinging. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That was the best part of it. It was like he, he literally, his jersey was pulled over his face, and Harper is still swinging until the rest broke it up. So, how about a way to start the game right there, guys? Oh, yeah. It's great. You yeah, love to yeah, see it. Good. You want to see that fight in those guys. And, you know, Tampa Bay is notorious for, for being, I call them bullies. I just, I oh. mean, they just are. And they just, you know, yeah. they're notorious for that. And then, and then when you give them a little bit of that back, they don't like it. And then they 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 just come back even more. So I like to see it. I like to see the the intensity uh, early on. Tampa Bay feels like the uh, the mullet militia. I feel like every person I see on that team has a mullet. And mullet like, militia. It, it was just like it's it's the kind of guys you expect to be fighting anyways. But it, it was good to see the young guys. Like the young guys were like, we're not gonna we're not gonna yeah. play this rookie crap. We're gonna we're gonna take you and we're gonna you know we'll we'll see who comes out on top. But I mean that, that both of them held their own really well. Um, I mean, I gotta give it to Maroon. That by the second fight, he was probably a little tired after, uh, you know, after uh, after uh, Harper kind of warmed down a little bit, and then it softened up for Olivier. I like to think, but yeah. uh, you don't you don't pick on the Biloxi Bowl. But hey, I mean, it's good. It's kind of symbolic of what we kind of needed today. So, and, and it sparked the team. We had energy throughout the game. I mean, can you remember the last time that we didn't see a lazy effort in the second period like that? I mean, not just a lazy yeah. effort. That was a that was energetic. That was like they they were, it, if anything, they even ramped it up a notch going into oh, the yeah. second period. I mean, they smelled blood and they, and they got it. So I, yeah. I it was awesome. And yeah. Olivier didn't get Maroon to flinch. That was good too. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. That was great. That was my so, favorite part. My, my wife, who's a very casual hockey fan, was like tickled to death because she's never seen them. Like she's always seen like the camera kind of pan over. But never like seen it start. So when they, she saw him like throw their gloves down, she like just thought it was hilarious because she's just, she's still like understanding like oh that's how they like, they like they you know square up and get ready to do it before they actually get into it. So yeah. it was always one of those. It's watch actually that. allowed. Which you don't really see it as much as you used to in the old days. No, like, you a don't. lot of it yeah. does, especially the squaring off like they did. 
I mean, like, I mean, they were going toe to toe, fists were up. It was a very organized uh, square off to open yeah. the game. Oh, and yeah. I mean, coming at it from a press fan perspective, you love to see that because you already feel like you're outmatched and you don't have a good chance and you're a huge underdog. And so, I mean, they open it up, they open up that way and they, they backed it up. That was the best part on the ice. They backed it up. It wasn't just, yeah. Oh, we're just going to be goons out here and, and fight and try to try to make that work for us. No, they backed it up in their play. They really did that first shift of the game. With uh, Yakov mm-hmm. Trenin out there and with Olivier out there, I mean, they were making things happen. Olivier had a really good chance to score right at the oh, very yeah. opening of the game. Oh, he was so close. And he just, that, that set the tone for the game. It was like it was like they weren't going to take anything lying down. They weren't going to quit. They're not packing it in. It was great to see, and they kept it up. And we've seen the team – we've seen the Preds do this. That We've seen them open up strong. Uh, countless a number to- numbers of times. We all know they're a good third period team, but like Colin just said, they always seem to have that lapse somewhere between the end of the first period and definitely into the second period. They always seem to have those lapses where they give up two to three goals in these big barrages. And since they're such an offensively limited team, that's usually too much for them to come back from. Didn't happen tonight. They got that, or this afternoon, I should say. They got that lead. They they padded it, and they knew how to play with it. For the most part, think, they knew how to play with it. I feel like the first indicator was the end of that first period where there was that barrage of shots in that last minute, and you're thinking, like, in the back of your head, okay, like the last minute of the, of the period, they've let those mm-hmm. in before because they kind of take their foot off the gas. They didn't do that. After that first – after that barrage and then getting into that first period, that first commission, you know, with 0-0 and then seeing that, I was like, all right, we're in this. Like if we come out the right way in the second period, we're in this because they're they're not letting off the off the brakes, and so they're not letting off the gas. So I mean, you know, it definitely showed up in the second period, but uh, it's just a different kind of energy. It was just it was fun. I mean, this is what we wanted to see from the beginning of the season. I think this is our best game of the season. I think this is probably one of our better games, especially especially from an offensive standpoint. In at least I won't say games. I'll say second periods, probably in the last three to four years that we've had. So. Uh, it's it was refreshing. It definitely yeah. was. It was good to see them just keep up that intensity, like we talked about. It's what we've always wanted to see, and I think it's they're at a point to where they're kind of got their you know they're they're back into a corner, and they know that you know we got to come out swinging, or it's we're just going to lay down and and just not be competitive at, at all. And that's what they did. They just kept up that intensity. And, man, if they could do that every game, they'd, it'd be a different situation right one, now. Yeah. One thing I feel about this team right now is – and this is just my observation. I'm not saying it's a fact necessarily. But what I see out of this team right now is you got a lot of players who see maybe that their days are numbered on this organization and they're playing for their individual futures right now, which you don't blame them for. you mm-hmm. got to take care of yourself first. And if that creates better hockey for the Predators while this group is together, then that's great. I think that's kind of what we saw today is a cast of characters, a cat, a, a roster who is very much in flux, very much in transition, tons of outside noise, mostly negative. And they're playing their hearts out right now. They're playing with this desperation as soon as the pucks dropped. Not mm-hmm. so much the young players. There's certain players on this team that know they're in the future of this team. But you've got players like Eric Holla, Victor Arvidsson. Um, those are just two that jump off right 
right out of the gate for me. Cal Yarncroke for sure. Uh, Matias Eckholm, which Col- Colton Sissons. Colton Sissons is a great one. Matias Eckholm is a player where I feel like he's he's very confident. No matter where he goes, he's going to be fine. But the point I'm trying to make is these players know that they are playing for their futures, even if it's outside of Nashville. And so I saw a collective effort. I saw a team effort today. They played well together. And they I think they kind of stunned this defending Stanley Cup champs today. I really do. I think that they came out swinging. And I'm not going to accuse Tampa Bay of maybe taking this game lightly, but it looked that way. I can agree with that. And, I mean, part of it is that we were, you know, at the end of the day we got out of think and, and – Keep things in perspective a little bit. This is good to finally get, you know, to beat the Stanley Cup champs, but we also replaced Michael Haney in that. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't their Vesna trophy winning, you know, Vasilevsky. So that's something to just keep in mind. But, you know, we still saw some scoring from people that we've not seen it. Like Victor Arvidsson finally got the monkey off his back mm-hmm. again, apparently. But to speak with the, on the rookie part of it, um, and to kind of answer uh, Landry Agnes, they, they commented on the, on the comments here. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, as far as, you know, the rookies, I think they, they definitely are providing that spark because, even though they know they might be a part of the future of the team, they still are fighting for that ice time. They still want to stay in the lineup so they can get some consistent reps, get used to the NHL speed. And so I think they are going to be a spark to inspire some of the vets when they do return because they're proving it. I mean, like, you know, when we see these guys like, like a Davies, like Carrier, uh, you know, Tolvanen, obviously, um, but even Harper and Olivier, like the rookies are proving themselves and proving they can hang at this level and they're going to be, they come out, they, there's no, there's no, there's no break with them. I mean, they are all gas, no breaks all the time, trying to get you know whatever they can out the, out of the game and on the ice. And so you got to respect that. And as a veteran, you got to look at that and say if that's the kind of intensity that they're playing with. Like I've got to match that, and I've got to produce the same way they are. And their production shows up in different ways. It may not show up in the stat box, but those hustle plays they make a difference with the momentum of the game, with the way it creates opportunities down the road. The hustle is everything, and the, and the rookies are showing that in spades. So you got to appreciate that, but also got to think it's going to push those vets when they do return. Yeah. Yeah, I, exactly. And what about that? Uh, what about that Tolvanen goal, man? Oh, God. His shot, his shot is like, I'm, I'm going to call mean, it right now. It's silky smooth. It's just like effortless, but it's, it's also, it's, it's just like so hard too. I mean, he only, he almost fell yes. over when he was taking a shot. Today. Yeah. He reminds me like, I don't, I'm going to make a bold statement here. He, he, if he keeps developing, maybe putting some more weight on in the gym, he's gonna have a Shea Weber type of shot as far as the speed and how hard it is. Because you see it off when he bounce, when it bounces off a goalie's chest plate, it goes mm-hmm. always usually back to the blue line. I mean, that thing just you know flies yep. off of his stick. And they were talking about it how he can stop the puck on dime and then shoot just as quick yeah. in one motion. So I love another, it. I, yeah, another, another thing about Tolvanen in this game that impressed me. Obviously, we know he's a lethal goal scorer, but he was out there blocking some shots towards the end of the yeah. game. This guy was putting his body on the line. He, This guy, he's playing well beyond his years right now, and this was all the criticism he was getting before he could crack the NHL roster before this season was he's not a well-rounded player. All he has is that lethal power play shot. He has nothing else. He's undersized. He can't take hits. He can't dish out the hits. He can't be in the right position on the ice. That goal he scored was mm-hmm. a product of him knowing where to be on the ice to get that prime scoring chance. We all know where he scores from. It's that prime scoring shot, right? Scoring spot right there. And he's he played like a veteran in that in that spot right there. And they showed it in the replay. He he knew what he was doing. He skated into that area. 
it was wide open ice, wide open hot, hot zone territory, and he just and I love how whenever Tolvanen scores, he just immediately turns around and starts skating the other way. I can't yeah. get over it. It's such like a goat move the way he does that. And you walk away, you don't even watch it go in. Yeah, inject yeah. it in my veins. I can't yeah. get enough of it. Yeah, and that's what's awesome is is it, he's got such a quick release, and like we said, it's a really hard shot, and Gold he placed it exactly, and he placed it exactly where he wanted it, and that's you know that's not easy to do when you hit it that hard to place it. So you, it was you know awesome. the lo- the location and the release. You know who they remind me of, and this is this is also like I'm just I'm I'm, I'm gushing over Ali Tolvanen, him, but reminds me of Fisher uh, of uh, Alex Ovechkin. Yep. Yeah, Al- he shoots in that same spot, and he yep. shoots it with that kind of release. So. Now, he had two blocks today, so I was tied for second. But as far as forwards, he led. He led, Well, he uh, he got out, he got blocked. By, Arvidsson out blocked him by one block. Mm-hmm. But you know, Arvidsson had a good sure. game too. I mean, that was something we needed to see from him for a while. Yeah. Uh, on the Arvidsson goal, you mentioned the Arvidsson goal. Let's give a shout out to Eric Holla, who's gotten some criticism on this show. Yeah. Um, but Eric Holla made an excellent pass to Arvidsson to get that goal on the power play. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I believe that made it two nothing, right? Or did that make it three nothing? That's two nothing. Okay. Um I'm not used to the Preds scoring three goals in a game, so I've got them all mixed no, up. No. Right. So I'm please. not used to I'm not used to them scoring two and then not having someone answer it back. I mean, yeah. to, to get three, that was crazy. This is new territory for me, so forgive me for not having it in order there. But I want to share I want to share a tweet that I got from uh Boyd. Uh, who is a feature writer for Penalty Box Radio. Go follow him. He's awesome. He puts a lot of good yep. stuff out there. He put out a really good tweet that I thought we should share on here. And if Boyd's watching, uh, shout out to the show. Um, we're going to share this because I think it's a really good tweet. But he put out, Preds food for thought. It's not that long until some of the injured players start coming back. Would you rather trade some of the vets who are playing well right now or take the kids out of the lineup? I think that's a really good question. It's a tough question. I don't know. I think we can, something we can cover uh, that Boyd brings up. Uh, how about you, Rich? You want to you want to field that tough question first? Well, I, I actually responded to him, and I said, I think we know what's probably going to happen with, with Hines. He's probably going to play the vets and put them back in. But if they know, and I'm sure they already do know, what's going to be happening in the next couple of weeks, I say play the kids as much as you can because, I mean, they need the experience and the, the like the experience they're getting right now, like the game tonight against the Stanley Cup champions. I mean, that's like we say it all the time, but it's invaluable. I mean, they they need that experience, and that's that's probably the the route I would go. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna learn from a better team in terms of speed than getting to play the teams like the uh, the Lightning or like the Hurricanes or even the mm-hmm. Panthers. And so they need to get used to that speed because I think that's the biggest thing for them is not necessarily the fundamentals of, you know, what they're doing in terms of physicality. I mean, Harper and, like Harper and Olivier, those guys prove it. They know what the physicality of the game is. It's just the speed of the game. Uh, and, you know, you got guys that have been on the in the lineup a little bit more. Um, and earlier on, like you can go back to last year with uh, Jakob Trenin, but they need that experience. It's really important to it. And so I think that, you know, you see it in practice every day. Look who – I would judge it if I'm – we're talking about John Hines here, but I would judge it based off of who's showing the intensity in practice. You know, if veterans come back, I don't care if they're back and that's all well and good. At the end of the day, like, they got to be able to show the same intensity because that's what's going to win this team games. I mean, they're going to be able to steal some based off of tenacity and based off of attitude. And, and some of those guys just aren't showing it. And honestly, like, this team is, is getting it done against teams that they wouldn't expect to get it done with. My hope is that when we – you know, if we add in – 
I think the defensemen, especially like, you know, Ellis and, and Yossi, um, all, that's all well and good. Uh, you know, I, I want to see Duchesne come back, but there are some guys like, you know, Richardson um, and, and even some other guys. I'm just kind of like, it'll be nice to have him back for depth, yeah. but at the same time, like, it's gonna be a, I'd rather give, I'd rather get some rookies some chances over them. It's going to be a tough decision for Hines to make though. I mean, because I think it's hard to leave Brad Richardson out of the lineup, but at the same time, I think it really is going to come down to, we keep saying this, but it, it really is true. What what are, what are the Preds going to do against the Panthers the next couple games? Uh, and then if you it's the decision is going to be that much harder to make if the Preds make this interesting and somehow string together four or five wins in a row. Oh my gosh, my beard not feeling safe again. But if they somehow win, if they somehow win four or five wins in a row, um, then. Uh, that's going to make the decision that much more tough because then you start thinking, oh, my, do we have a chance? Can we make a – and we know the chances are so slim. Mm-hmm. But it's going to make the decision that much more tougher. So you've got these people out here who talk about tanking and all this stuff. And we know this team's not going to tank. Well, all, you had to do was, like, all you had to do was watch today's game. You know this team's not going to tank. Well, realistically, but, with tanking in the NHL, like because of the lottery, it's not fruitful anymore. Yeah, it's dumb. Like, yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. But, but, I mean – there's some pairings in there that it's just, yeah, I, they're, they're, this isn't a good draft to do it anyways. It's not. But if the Preds keep winning, it, it does make that decision that much tougher to figure out who do you put in the lineup. And Hines has already been quoted as saying that as, yeah, these rookies playing so well does make the decisions harder. And I can see that. I mean, as, as much as we've piled on John Hines, I do see how that would be. That's, he, he does have a lo- some tough decisions to make. And the more this team wins, if they do string together some wins, it's going to be even tougher. And yeah. the easy decision to make is the Preds keep losing, and then you, of course, you play the young players because that's an easy decision. Right. And then you, but I, I, obviously, a lot's going to be cleared up in the next couple of weeks when the trade deadline happens and all these players start moving. Then you can really set your lineup because you know what you're what you have. But until we until we get through this weird period we we're in right now where we don't know who's leaving and who's staying, it, it's this lineup is just shake it up like a ball, just shake it up and see what comes out because you've got your you've got your players you know are gonna start every game if they're healthy. But outside of that, you've got a small uh, cast of players where you can interchange them. And it's do you go youth or do you go with these players you picked up over the offseason, like Holla and Cousins, and when if Brad Richardson ever gets healthy and is able to play again, I really don't understand what's going on with Brad Richardson. It's it's kind of kept quiet. And then, of course, you got uh, Luke Cunning, who hasn't been in the lineup for the longest. I don't know if he's going to stick around. But Spisa. 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 I mean, Spisa needs to be on the top pairing, personally, if you ask me. I'm really whoa, upset. That, whoa, that's, whoa. That, that's what has this team messed up right now is, is we're missing Spisa. Yeah. They're, but, um, they're missing uh, the other that is, that is That is a sentence. That is but, a but either, but, together. <laughs> but either way, I think we all agree, though, that it's going to be a tough a tough decision for Hines if this team does string together some wins, oh. uh, which could happen. If they repeat the effort they had tonight and they go play Florida, and they that's a big if. But if they repeat the effort they had tonight, they played nearly mistake-free. They did have some turnovers, but for the most part, they played mistake-free, and they got an incredible game from Pecorine. 
yep. which we're about yep. to get into the next segment. But I do want to finish off this reaction to this game real quick because there's a lot of stuff that – let's talk about Dante Fabro. He came back into the lineup from his two-game suspension. Oh, man. I, that great. I feel like the fan base is really split on him. There's a lot of people out there who – I agree. Are, who are already over him, and there's people out there who still believe in him. Put me on the side of I still totally believe in him. And no, he showed it in tonight's. He showed it in tonight's game. How about that block he made? That stick save he made when Pecorine was out of position, and the onslaught was on. Yeah, yep. the onslaught was on, and you can call it a little bit of luck if you want to. But Fabro was in the right position, and he put his stick out there, and it didn't cross the goal line. In real time, it looked like a goal. I was even worried they were going to go back and review it and say the puck did mm-hmm. cross the line, but it didn't. And uh, Fabro's ha- he is really playing well. You take out that I mean, really questionable hit that he had, which w- was definitely worthy of the suspension he got. If you take that questionable play out where I think he just got a little too into it and got a little crazy there, this guy is really – upping the level of his play. Well, and you got to think, Fabro. so here's how I look at it. Fabro's 22 years old. I mean, he is mm-hmm. still has way more development to do. Yeah. And to play the level he's playing at at 22, he's doing quite all right. I think that we kind of take it for granted because we've had the likes of, you know, uh, Mateus Eckholm, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi. Honestly, I look at Fabro, and then uh, there's two other players that remind me of, because Eckholm, Ellis, and, and Yossi kind of came up together in, in that grouping. Yeah. I look at Fabro, and then the two that I really enjoyed watching today were Carrier and Davies. I think those no, three like might Carrier be. I think those three might be your defensive core, you know, moving forward um, eventually. Because I mean, Yossi's going to be around for a little bit, hopefully. I mean, that's all things considered. Back home, we don't know. Ellis, you know, we we don't know, and so I think Ellis will be around. But I get what you're saying, though. He, he will. I, his contract, man. I don't. I don't let that contract. But no. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that those those three could be kind of a foundational core to to develop on. And and our carrier and Davies, I don't know if they're full time yet, but they showed some flashes today, and they've even shown flashes before today's game, where it makes you go, "There's a lot of potential there. Like, there's something to build on there. You give them enough time to develop and enough time to get some minutes on the ice, and they're going to show you something." So. I well, think our, our, our defense is bright in terms of the future. Well, they've been yeah. hidden for so long from the starting lineup that yeah. at least now we're starting to learn about them. We're starting to see what Carrier can bring. We're starting to see what uh, what some of these guys can bring. And so it, with all the the turmoil that's happened this season, that is a that is a silver lining that we can pull from yeah. what's gone on this season. Is we're got, we're we're learning about these prospects. That we did, that we just quite frankly didn't get a chance to see. We knew they were good in Milwaukee, or we knew they were good in the minors, but we didn't know what they could do on the NHL level. And they're holding their own right now. Uh, Rich, kind of give us your thoughts on what you see as far as the young players and what they're doing. Even though the Preds have had, you know, this is their second win in what the last six or seven games. So they went through a really rough stretch there before getting the win this afternoon. But kind of what do you see from the young players and and, and also with uh, with Fabro? What's cool I like about Fabro is we we you can watch him progress. He's gotten better. I mean, he did have some lapses this season, but every player has lapses. You know, they all make mistakes. They're human beings. But I just like to watch his game progress, and I think, like, he played really well tonight. And if he can just keep building on that, it'll be – I mean, he's going to be one of the – It'll be huge yeah, for this the, team. Yeah, definitely huge. And then as far as like, I really like Carrier a lot. I like his game. I like how fast he is. Um, seems to be doing a good job, you know, on defense. So he's a very like smooth him. skater. 
He is, yeah, and that's what that's that's what I like. I like all the young guys. Yeah, <laughs> I like Car- Carrier is a very offensive minded defenseman, is what I see from him. Uh, I'm not saying he's a Roman Yossi necessarily, but no. I'm saying like he's very much like that type of a player. The way he brings in the puck, though, through the neutral zone and into the yeah. offensive zone as a defenseman, very Yossi-esque. So I got to point yes. that out. What right. you want to see from Carrier as he develops more is, yeah, you want to see him be in position more. Like, he's out, of, he's been caught out of position a few times, and that's going to come. That Those are things you can develop. That's not something yeah. that you should be worried about. I think that the foundation is there for Carrier. I think that – I definitely think the foundation is there for Jeremy Davies. You still have Frederick Allard out there. The, the defensive, you know, the Preds have always had this moniker for cropping defensemen out of their uh, system, and I, I still feel good that that's going to that's, that's going to keep going with what I'm seeing from Carrier, even from Ben Harper. You know, he's more of your prototypical defenseman that's more uh, like a, like a third pairing type of defenseman. But you like what you're seeing out of him. I like what I'm seeing out of Harper way more than what I'm seeing out of Jared Tenorti or Yannick Weber or. Matt Irwin, if you want me to go back to Matt Irwin, or like at least Harper's bringing something, you know, like so we, we have to feel really encouraged, mainly in our young players. And you want to throw Tolvanen in there, even though Tolvanen's on this lineup to stay. Um, yeah, we have to feel really, really encouraged. Yeah. Past this yeah. season, thanks to our younger players that are stepping up this season. At defense, though, like, you know, when Yossi and Ellis get back and then you're going to have <clears throat> Fabro and Ekholm will be back together. And then Benning and Borvieski, you know, we're go- like, what are they going to do with those guys? And then even mm-hmm. next season, like if Ekholm is gone, we're going to have – who are we going to put with, you know, with uh, Fabro? Is it yeah. going to be Carrier? Is it A lot of questions be- to answer. Yeah, totally. So we no, don't we even can't, know. It's not possible to answer right now, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But – um. Yeah. I mean, something, something to think about just stat-wise for you is Roman Yossi, when he first got into the league, he, when he first started getting really some some solid minutes, was around 2011, really more so 2013. Uh, but the first time, ice time was age 20. So this was, you know, way back when. Same time that Fabra got into the league. For Ryan Ellis, same thing. Uh, he was only halftime for 2011 to 2013. Uh, 2013 to 2014 was when he got a full-time role. So he was about 22 when he first got started. Um same thing for Ekholm. He was 2013, so he was 22, 23, actually. Uh, and so these guys like, you know, Alexander Carrier, 24. Uh, you've got Jeremy Davies, 24. Dante Fabro, 22. Like, they're right there in terms of yeah. development and where they need to be mm-hmm. timeline-wise. And sometimes I think it's kind of one of those things where you got to tell the fans, like, we're all right in defense. We got some yeah. We got some guys. If, if And we've proven it. I mean, we've gotten, you know, we've lost our top pairing, and it's like, kids are all right. You know, mm-hmm. we, could be, yeah. we could be doing worse. Yeah. yeah. A couple other things to round out reaction to the win over the Tampa Bay Light- Lightning. So the Preds win 4-1. Uh, it was 3 nothing for the longest, and then Tampa Bay put on that onslaught that we all knew was coming, and you had to wonder would Pecorine be able to handle it, and he did. How about that leaping save where he, like, jumped oh, up in the air and somehow – like, the flexibility of Pecorine is insane. He somehow grabbed it, and, like, in slow motion, it would have been a goal. And, right. But it wasn't just that. I mean, he was glo- his glove was on fire tonight. Pecorino's glove was just like catching everything that came near him. The one goal that uh, Stamco scored was, uh, hey, it happens. Tip your cap. It was. It wasn't anything the Preds really did wrong. It was kind of a turnover, but mm-hmm. you knew they were going to get one at least. You would have loved to see Pecorino get his 60th career shutout. But uh, Rene was 
And hey, I gotta bring this up real quick, before, and then we're gonna wrap up this segment. We all we're all guilty of this. We said Casimir Cascasuo should get a start. <laughs> if if Casimir Cascasuo is in net tonight, I'm not so sure that the Preds win this game. I was yeah. actually thinking the same thing. Like when I was watching it, I was kind of like, we had talked about it last week. Hey, we need to give him a shot. And I mean, Rene, it's like he's gotten be- like this game progressed even better than he played the last yeah. few games. It like, was a vintage Pecorino game. It was so yeah. vague. Because Pecorino, even when the Preds were Stanley Cup contenders, they would still have those games where Pecorino took them to the finish line. Yeah. And that's actually what he did tonight with a much lesser talented team on paper in front of them. So it just amazes you more and more what Pecorino can do. Uh, I still don't think that that makes us wrong necessarily that we want Casasuo in net because you can't just keep – we don't know how long – we think Soros is going to start soon. They're already saying he's he's kind of ready to play and he's skating with the team and all this stuff. But we just don't really know what's going on with that. It's kind of kept hush-hush. But, you know, it's one of those things where – how many more starts can Pecorino take before, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's a weird situation, but he definitely took us to the finish line tonight. I think, I think there it, was a, oh, go ahead. Colin. I think I was going to say, I think Brooks Braden said that he's going to be ready to yeah. go by Orlando. There so, you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of, so the Cascasuo Casca experiment's probably not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's around. Said, uh, he's, yeah. He's going to be around. I'm not saying he's done or anything like that, yeah, but I'm yeah. saying like, at least for this stint, I think a lot of people thought we were going to see him and yeah. we never did. That tweet, that tweet that he sent out actually said that Saros out of all the injured players was the only one who would possibly yes. be ready for the next two yeah. games. So yeah. that tells you the other guys are definitely still going to be out. So I would expect, cool. to, I would expect to see Saros start one of the two games against the Panthers which we yeah. uh, the Preds actually had two days off, which is nice because they need a break. Mm-hmm. So they had two days off, and then they play Thursday night, uh, fresh ahead of our episode twenty eight uh, later this week. So make sure you tune into that because we will be, definitely be talking about the Panthers game. But uh, yeah, so it was a great game all the way around. Uh, it feels good to have these winning vibes. And uh, again, you're listening to episode twenty seven of the Catfish and Ice podcast, brought to you by DraftKings and the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, so I got to tell, before we go into Pecorino, I got to tell uh, uh, a funny story here. So I'm uh, driving down the road today, just doing my errands and I'm an animal lover. I love animals. I wish I could save every animal out there. Just that type of person. Um, I'm driving down the road and then I have a ton of squirrel, ton of, tons of squirrels in my neighborhood. And this one little squirrel darts out, roads are wet. I'm only, I'm not going that fast cause I'm in my neighborhood, but I, of course I swerve. And try to save the life of this little squirrel. And I do. I feel very good about that. I did a good deed there. This squirrel freezes, like poses <laughs> in front of the right in the middle of the car. And I'm pretty sure this squirrel's life flashed before its eyes. Doesn't move. I miss the squirrel. My car's safe. The squirrel's safe. Darts off the street. Um, I'm, I'm pretty funny. sure it lost some of its acorns after that in a certain <laughs> way. Uh, but the squirrel's alive. I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that squirrel's having a good night. But uh, yeah, I uh, swerved badly, and uh, yeah. saved that squirrel's life. Uh, Rich, uh, you had some. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We were talking you got, about you got, it. You got a much more bizarre squirrel story than I do, but uh, yeah, we were talking about it uh, before. Um, so I have a friend I play music with. He actually has a pet squirrel, oh, which wow. I've and, never and, heard of in and, my life. And what I had neither. And what was what's weird is like. 
they found it. It was a little baby and they raised it. And now it's like got a cage in their house and he lets it out and it like crawls on him. And like, it's like a little pet. <laughs> Is it declawed? Like I don't think so. I don't think so. But I always tell him, I was like, you're going to get rabies. And he's like, it doesn't have rabies. He gets all mad and stuff. But I've never heard of that at all. I mean, I just, that's like the weirdest pet. I've heard of skunks. I've heard of pet skunks. You take out the little uh, organ that sprays them. And I heard skunks make really good pets, actually. But I've never heard of a squirrel. (laughs) Never heard of a squirrel. That's a new one. I've heard of of raccoons, even. Yeah. I've got got a little bit of a squirrel story. So I, uh, I used to work at University of Louisville. And that campus is notorious for squirrels. They've got a. They are. I mean, if if you're if, you, if our fans remember the uh, ESPN game that Louisville football was playing, I think it was two years ago, uh, back when there was a squirrel on the field during Lamar Jackson's senior year, junior year, I should say, uh, and the squirrel was running all the way to the end zone, and the whole stadium yeah. erupted because the squirrel, the squirrel scored. Yeah. But uh, I used to bring my dog to campus all the time, and my my students you probably met about ten thousand of my students in the course of the two years I worked there. But he. My dog, my oldest dog, is the friendliest creature you'll ever meet. Like he's yeah. never been vicious towards anyone. He wants to be best friends with anything and everyone. And so, <laughs> he's on campus with me, and he sees all these squirrels, and he's just running every which way. And I've got him on the leash, but he gets to barreling towards one. And I don't know if the squirrel just tripped or what, but the squirrel doesn't make it up the tree, and it, so it backs <laughs> into the tree. And my dog is like nose to nose with the squirrel. And the squirrel just looks terrified, and my dog starts licking it. I'm like, "Yeah, no. wow!" Like, every other every other dog has an instinct to probably you know go ahead yeah. and turn turn it into dinner. Not my dog; he wants to be well, best no, friends with it. Normally, no, no matter how fast you are, you're not catching a squirrel. So that's no. that in itself but, is pretty impressive. He, he's a little guy. When he when he has incentive, he gets after it. So. That's awesome. That's funny. That's hilarious. All right. So uh, yeah, just be be kind. Be kind to your animal creatures. I guess that's what we're telling all of our listeners, even the squirrels. <laughs> Um, we, uh, yeah, so, so let's move on. Let's move on to our next segment, which is we're going to keep these positive vibes flowing here and we're going to have a peck arena appreciation segment here. And then we actually planned this before tonight's, before this afternoon's game, believe it or not. Uh, and this just made this segment even more important because peck arena just played a huge part in getting the Preds, this victory over the defending Stanley cup champions, the Tampa Bay lightning. So let's let's talk about uh, Adam Vinian and his article that he put out for the Athletic. And Adam Vinian is such a great follow for all Preds yep. fans. You have to be following him. Subscribe to the Athletic. Uh, it's a very 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 cheap price to follow the Athletic, and you're going to get a lot of good stories on that website. And basically, Pecorino came out and said that he kind of cleared some stuff up for us a little bit. I feel like. Mm-hmm. He basically said he's not interested in playing for another team to win a cup, to chase a cup, even though we all would be okay with him doing that. And instead, he says he wants to retire a predator. I mean, that, that's some pretty groundbreaking bombshell stuff there. And yeah, so, so um, it's so rare in sports these days. Like, I mean, you see players chase ch- chase trophies in all sports. I mean, Tom Brady left the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it happens in all sports, and uh, you, you chase those rings, you chase those trophies, because a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of uh, people define players based on how many trophy, how many championships they have in their respective sport. And Pecorino is one of those players where if he, if he gets a Stanley Cup, he's automatic. You don't even think about it, Hall of Fame. 
but yeah. it's really hard to get into the hockey hall of fame with as a goaltender without a Stanley cup. I'm pretty sure there's only one goaltender that's in the Stanley cup. I can't remember the goaltender. Uh, we can fact check that, but I'm pretty sure there's only one goaltender that's made the hall of fame with a, without a Stanley cup. And it, it goes back a little bit. Colin can check on that. Maybe make sure I'm not talking out of my, talking out of my, uh, talking out of my ass, I guess I should say, but, um, yeah, but I'm pretty sure that's what that that's right. And uh, so when it comes to Pecorino, you totally have respect for him that he's going to come out and say something like that. You know that he's and he he's totally loyal, which we've never questioned this, but he's totally loyal to the Predators franchise. No, despite all the problems we've gone through these past couple of years, how do you feel about it, Rich? Yeah, I agree. I think he's he knows that the time's winding down, and I think he just wants to enjoy every last minute of it. And even if he comes back, which hopefully I really hope they'll sign him for at least one more year to do something. Yeah. Um, just anything. Um, I just think he, he really wants to just enjoy this last, you know, these last games. That's why he wants to keep playing so well, you know, and he keeps, he does I don't think he cares that he's played six, seven, eight games in a row. He wants to keep going and show, you know, that the reason why he is the man is because, you know, He's put in the time and he's he's done the work and he's, you know, he's a legend, you know, to Predators fans. So mm-hmm. I'm ready for – I would like for him to stay five more years. <laughs> well, I don't think he's going to pull a Tom Brady and stay for five years. <laughs> but um, the, the whole one-year deal is on the table, I feel like. Yeah. And I didn't feel that way going into the season. And it's not necessarily because his numbers are stellar because, you know, his numbers are, are very – very mediocre to slightly above yeah. mediocre. If you're not watching the Preds each game and you're just an outside observer and you don't follow the team, you, you're going to look at Pecorino's numbers and be like, "Yeah, this guy's not really – He's he, you're, you might look at it and be like, hey, this guy needs to retire. He's done. He's over the hill. He's mm-hmm. But there's a game within the game when it comes to hockey. We know that. It's a very complex sport. There's tons of analytics that go into it. Um, and we all know that the Preds will be way worse off if Pecorino was not in net for the Preds throughout all this recently. Yeah, definitely. I agree. So um, I think that it's very possible that he comes back for a one-year deal. Um, I think the team feels that way now, especially after those comments we just heard from uh, Pecorino regarding that. I wouldn't even be surprised if he, if he signed for a very team-friendly deal and came back as the backup to UC Soros again. We still have to wait and see what UC Soros looks like. He's the wild card in all this. If UC Soros comes back and finishes off the season strong in his own, in his own regard, then you can re re reinstill confidence in Soros to, we we do it all. We play it back all over again. Basically what what we went into this past uh, preseason. Um, Cause we, I think we all agree that the, the main issues of this team is not revolving around the goaltender position. I don't know if no. you guys agree with me on that or not, but I don't feel like it's the main eyesore of the team is goaltending. I really don't. It's not because we look at the games where they've lost, you know, and it's it's not been his fault at all. He's been left hung out to dry. And even Soros, same for him. He's been left hung out to dry. Yeah. It's just the, the team in front of him just hasn't performed yeah. well. But they did tonight. I will give them that. I mean, you you, you move forward. You move, I'm confident in moving forward into the at least the beginning part of the rebuild – with 
Rene on a one-year deal as long as it's team-friendly, or if Soros can really finish off the season and reinstill some confidence, I'm okay with going into this because really we're waiting on Yaroslav Eskarov to really break in. I mean, yeah. and then we still got Connor Ingram's floating around out there too. So who's another very viable up-and-coming goaltender. So I don't think this is the issue we really need to be focused on for the Preds. It, it's you got a lot to sort out in that regard, but I don't think it's the glaring weakness of the team. Yeah. It it just it definitely like we talked about in the preseason, you know, we we said it was Saros's job to lose. And like you said, he just hasn't instilled that confidence. And you know, there's someone we, we someone need tweeted, we need that confidence. When someone even tweeted out if, if he's gonna if it was if it was Saros's job, he would have taken it. He just hasn't done that. I mean, it's really a good point to make. It's a fair yeah, point. I mean, he, he's yeah. a good guy in spots, but he's not going to be. I don't think he's going to be someone that you want starting for you every night, is because you know usually the first game he can have a great first game. That second game is where he gets himself. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I'm on with the, out on that. Soros has always been a streaky player. Yeah, he'll go through yeah. like these stretches where he looks unstoppable, and he looks like the possible replacement of Pecorine. And then there's other times you don't want that in a goaltender necessarily. You know, you don't want that streakiness. So that's a fair point to make. Um, But going back to Pecorine, uh, it's going to be really weird whenever he finally does uh, no longer play for the Preds, whether that's on another team or whether he retires. Um, I just hope that in some way or shape or fashion, if it's safe to do so, obviously, that there can be uh, plenty of fans in the building when Pecorine maybe plays his last game. Yeah, I would love cool. that because I can promise you there's not going to be too many dry eyes in the building. And I know that sounds really sappy, but outside of maybe, and I'm a national native outside of maybe Steve McNair, I can't think of a more uh, beloved sports, a, a beloved professional sports athlete to ever play. And I know we've only had two sport professional teams in major sports, but um, it's going to be, I, so I really hope that there can be, Plenty of fans in the building. I hope he doesn't have to play his last game to an empty building or to a away crowd. I hope he can. Yeah. I hope he can be in front of the fans who love him and adore him. And I hope he can get that respect and admiration that he, we all know he deserves. Um, and so let let let's see if maybe he can he can run it back for one more season next season. I know there's a lot of people out there who are like, don't put him through that. This team's a mess. He doesn't deserve it. <laughs> There's people out there who are worried about his career numbers uh, being screwed up because he's taking all these goals against and stuff. I can promise you one thing: Pecorine does not give a flip about that. No, yeah. absolutely not. He doesn't, and that's- flip, he doesn't give a flip about his personal numbers. He gives a flip about the team and making the team better. And so yeah, and we, that's what we might care about his career numbers as selfish fans. I do too. I don't want to see his career numbers get tainted through all this. I'm right there with you, but I can promise you Pecorino doesn't care about his personal yeah. numbers. He had, a, he had an awesome game tonight, you know, and the first thing out of his mouth when in the interview after the game, he was like, yeah, the team played, we all, we played really well. He never takes any of the credit. He reflect. he puts it all back on the team. And that's, that's what, does anyone, that's what you want does to see. Anyone rem- does anyone, I wish I remember what team it came against, but does anyone remember, you can look it up on YouTube quick. It'll pop up right away. I've only seen Pecorino really get, like, agitated in a game once, and it was when he took his stick and uh, slapped it at another 
Who was that? I'm trying to remember who. I'm going to look it up real quick. But all all the diehard fans know what I'm talking about. Uh, I mean, he someone was like messing with him, and he took his stick and he fired it right back. That's the only time I've ever seen Pecorini lose his cool. Like the guy is so calm, cool, and collected. He's classy as classy can get, and he just. I mean, you can only hope that you even get half of that in your next franchise goaltender. Yeah. What's sad is, you, like, when he does retire or whatever, I I would guess he's probably going to go back to, you know, his home country. And, like, it would be cool if he could find some kind of job in the Predators organization just so he'd be around. Just to keep – I'm just being the way, selfish. The way you opened that sentence it sounded so bad. It would be cool if he could find a job in Nashville somewhere. Maybe he can uh, yeah, work find a so, job, like, selling so cell phones peaches. or uh, – I don't <laughs> <Something>. know. Something. <laughs> just the way you opened that the, sentence. I didn't know how you were to finish it. Yeah. Work at the Best Buy, anything, anything, so we can come uh, and see him. Him as a goaltender coach, oh my gosh! Like you want to talk yeah. about everyone rushing to learn from him? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of ex players in Nashville, so oh yeah, for sure, for so, sure. If, if he wants to coach, he can definitely coach a position. Oh, yeah. So as far as goalies in the Hall of Fame, it's it's a tough thing to kind of dig through because there's a lot of. There's not like a resource where it just says, yes, yeah. these goalies made yeah, it, won yeah. a Stanley Cup and these didn't. So I'm having to you know, cipher, go through some of those data here. But something that does stand out to me almost immediately is only three of the goaltenders in the Hall of Fame are not Canadian. Two of them are from the U.S. Once, or, or no, sorry, one's from the U.S. Uh, and also has Great, uh, Great Britain citizenship. Uh, one, other, another one is just uh, the Czech Republic. And then the other one's Russian. So there's, wow. no, Finnish, there's no Finnish goaltenders. Wow. So he's hmm. due. I'm just gonna say yeah. that part. I mean, so when you're on when you're on that website, is it like blah 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 Marty Brodeur, blah 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 Marty Brodeur? There's a lot of there's a lot of Marty Brodeur. <laughs> yeah, Martin Brodeur's pretty yeah, recent too. Yeah. Yeah. Brodeur's, in, Brodeur's in 2018, so he's pretty recent. So that helps him out. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to make the Hockey Hall of Fame. It's it, especially as a goaltender. It's not as like you know. There's there's some of these sports where you're starting to feel like everyone that's somewhat an all star can make the Hall of Fame these days. Uh, hockey is not one of those sports. It's really mm-hmm. hard to get in. And so when it comes to Rene, I think we all, as biased Preds fans, think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. But I don't know if he ever gets in without a cup. But that's just one of those things where, you know, we want him to win a cup. Of course, Pecorino himself wants to win a cup, but he wants to win it for the Preds. And that's right. what you respect so much. He's not – he's chasing a cup, but he's chasing it for his team. Another crazy stat here is I think let me make sure I get my math here right. Math is math is hard today. Um, he is or he would be the only the third finished player to be in the Hall of Fame. Wow! So well, that's talk about stat right there. That's, I mean, that's, there, there's some reasons. I mean, he's going to be if Finland has their own Hockey Hall of Fame, he's in it for sure. Oh, he's um, yeah. But I think as you know, as far as the Preds go, like 35's got to get retired. I don't want to oh, see yeah. anybody else in oh, 35. Yeah. Like It'll be no easy. question, no question. Yeah. So he made, he made up, and I think that's why it's so special. I think that might be why it's so special for him to finish as a predator, because he wants to be the only predator that ever wore thirty five and never left the number, you know, to play for someone else in that number. Like there, there's some sentiment to it, and he even said it himself. It wasn't someone else saying, "Well, you know, can you say stay in Nashville?" It's like I want to stay in Nashville. I want to be that guy. Yeah. You know, you gotta respect that. But he's just, you know, the guy is is. He is a definitive piece of Smashville. I mean, you talk about Matt Rushmore of, uh, you know, back to this is what is it, 20 episodes ago? But you talk about Matt Rushmore, he's George Washington, like mm-hmm. easily. He started it all. 
Yeah, yep. like he's like the original. Yeah, for sure. Even though he's not the original goalie, obviously he's definitely the foundation of this franchise. Um, the Preds aren't where they are, where they're at as far as the success they've have had, which was a perennial playoff team, a very respected uh, cup contender for numerous consecutive consecutive seasons. They're not there without Pecorino, you know. Yeah. So, and it's crazy to think how long he's been around. Like it, it's mm-hmm. it still is mind boggling to think how long he's been around. And so it's just it's crazy to think. So, and the fact that he's still doing it as recent as today, as we're recording, is just so amazing to think about. So, Pecorino, we love you. You play as long as you want to play, uh, and we just we're trying to come to grips with reality when you're not playing for the Preds anymore, whether you retire or not, or go to another team, it's going to be hard, but we're going to cheer for you outside of hockey as well. So Pecorino, we love you on the Catfish and Ice podcast. And let's, all right. So we're going to move on to our next segment and our final segment of episode 27. And that is what everyone's probably doing today. They're filling out their brackets. (laughs) Election Sunday was yesterday. We didn't get March madness last year because of the COVID-19 shutdown and a lot of, all the the sports world paused just around a year ago right now. And so we didn't get March Madness last season. We're getting it this season. And uh, so everyone's excited to be filling out those brackets. I can just tell you being out in public today, everyone was out there filling out their brackets. And so it's, it's, it's fun. Even people who don't care about college basketball fill out a bracket. And a lot of times it's those people who know nothing about college basketball who end up winning their bracket pools. Um, So a person like me who tries to do all this research and I'm trying to do all these numbers and analytics and, well, this team beat this team and this team, they only give up this many points per game, but they have this type of road record. That's all like, I don't even know why I do that because it really doesn't, it really doesn't help at all in the end. So uh, we're about to release our brackets. We're about to reveal our brackets to each other. We don't know what our brackets are. Um, Before we do that, again, go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN. We have an awesome deal. Whatever underdogs you picked on your bracket, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN. You bet on those underdogs. All you got to do is bet $4 and you will win $256 if that underdog wins. So that's it. That's a really, really light bet to win a lot of money. So go do that. Use our promo code and so who wants to reveal their bracket first? I kind of like, I don't know. Like I'm kind of like I'm iffy with my bracket. Like oh, mine's, I really mine's I got to be honest. I'm not so so sure about it. There's a lot of years where I feel really good about my bracket. I'm like, oh, I yeah. love it. Like I feel good about it. I can I can go first and just get this over with. Uh, <laughs> get this over. So with. you're gonna, gonna be the one that wins. Up. You're so, the guy that always wins. The one okay. that doesn't know is yeah. the one that wins. So like I really don't watch basketball anymore. And when I was watching basketball, it was all NBA. I watched college. I watched U of L and UK. I really just didn't ever did get into it. So anytime I ever fill these out, I usually do the whoever's favorite all the way down. So I've got Gonzaga. This and is your Ohio final four. Oh, final four. Okay. Gonzaga and Michigan, Ohio State and Illinois. If we get so if ahead. we go through our entire brackets like top to bottom, we're gonna be here till like three in the morning. So exactly. we can't we're not gonna <laughs> yeah. we're not gonna put our listeners and and yeah. viewers through that screw yeah. through that. So I but, just I, yeah, so and then I got 70 to 65. 
Oh wait, so you got you got who in your top in your final four again? Illinois, uh, Ohio State, and Illinois, Gonzaga, and Michigan. So you're going Big Ten heavy there, uh, which man. I can't disagree with you on that. Big Ten is, in my opinion, the best conference it's in all, college. Basketball. It's all favorites. I mean, I, I, hey, come out before Colin goes. How weird is it that we have a NCAA tournament without Kentucky or Louisville? I know, right? Man. I don't even that know when the last time that was. So, that, what, listen, what are people doing in Kentucky right in now? Michigan, like, are they just like drinking, have, drinking bourbon? Like, but, I mean, <laughs> they really don't know what to do with oh, themselves. This is two straight oh, March Madnesses where one of them, well, well, you know, obviously no one had March Madness, but two seasons in a row where Kentucky and Louisville fans don't have March Madness. Well, so, they'll just, be the, the UK and U of L fan. Well, the UK fans, they'll be watching to make sure North Carolina loses and then rev- <laughs> uh, reveling in that. They have a they new team. Want. Their new favorite team is whoever's playing North Carolina. Exactly. Well, I was say, because Duke's not even in it this year, but that's, that's another crazy that's, piece Yeah, that's it. crazy. Yeah. Duke's no, not I, in either. As a Louisville alumni, I'm frustrated. I'm pissed off that Michigan State and Syracuse got in because I we had a better, better resume. I'm biased, obviously. but I, You make a good point, though. It's, I'm, not a bad, it's not a bad argument. No, and yeah. it's crazy. I was watching – I was going through Twitter and – of course, uh, Matt Jones, who's a Kentucky guy, uh, tweeted out this music video because of all the Kentucky schools in the tournament, Moorhead State is representing the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Wow. <laughs> and so, there's this so video, there's this video, insane. this music video of these two uh, adults in a, in a car and this little girl in the back swinging uh, Mariah Carey's sweet, uh, what is it, like sweet memory or whatever. Yeah. And like she's just jamming out back there. And like the guys, Louisville and Kentucky, are just like, Looking back, like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty a, funny. What's a, what's amazing? Like, I have some friends who graduated from Moorhead. I've been there before. You can walk the whole campus in about much there. 15 minutes. <laughs> it is little. There's like basically a high nothing. school campus. High school campus, it, basically. Yeah, it's it's not. It's, it's a pretty. good mid major, cool. though. Moorhead State's a good mid major. But you know, okay, so yeah. you know what frustrates my students, or what frustrates my students at Louisville and in, at uh, Northern Kentucky the most is the fact that Moorhead State and Moorhead Kentucky, which if you've been to that campus, there's not a lot there. They have a cookout. Louisville doesn't have a cookout, and NKU doesn't have a cookout. I'm, I don't think Lexington has a cookout either. It's it's a travesty. But go Eagles! I support them. I'll give them that. I won't yep. support them that much, but yeah, good to see you in the tournament. Good luck. Exactly. Good luck to you. So, you know, I reside in the state of Tennessee, and I'm a Vanderbilt fan, and it's rough. And uh, I've gotten used to the Vanderbilt, when I was growing up as a kid, was a really respected basketball program, but that hasn't been the case recently. So I'm kind of used to not getting to enjoy my own team being in March Madness. But I will say that I am not a Tennessee Vols fan. I'm sure there's plenty of viewers that are watching that are Preds fans and they're Vols fans. They're, most of them that are Preds fans are probably Vols fans. I'm sorry. I will say this. I think the Vols are good. If you want me to tell you what I have them going in the bracket, I have them going to the Sweet 16 in my bracket. Mm. So I do think that they're a good team. They're very much a wild card team. I have them upsetting Oklahoma State in the second oh, round. I so don't confuse, don't confuse my hatred for UT as being biased. I actually think they're a good <laughs> basketball team. I think they're very helter-skelter and you can't trust them, which I think most Tennessee fans would agree with me on that. But I can't cheer for them. I'm sorry. I know I'm a Tennessee native. I can't cheer for the Vols as a Vanderbilt fan. It's not allowed. I'm you gonna, guys make fun of me every chance you get for being a Vanderbilt fan. You, <laughs> you, you scorn me. You make fun of me. I can't I'm, I'm, cheer for you. I'm going to sort of pause a little bit here, and I'm going to, for all of our UT listeners, 
Don't worry, I have the real UT going to the Elite Eight, and I'm talking about Texas. Oh, Texas! I have Texas <laughs> going far too. There you go. Uh, I, I'm with you. I, I got UT in the Sweet Sixteen, but I have them losing to my eventual champion. I'm. This is my burn it, burn it all kind of year. All right, so let's my, go. my champion is a wild fire away. Um, in my final four, I've got Gonzaga, Michigan, so pretty much chalk there. Arkansas, Ooh. and then here here's the real one. And this is this is a little bit of love between. For my father-in-law and my 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 in-laws, but also because I just watched them whoop some some butt through the night in the right. championship game, Georgia Tech. Oh, and my my championship is Gonzaga, Georgia Tech. I got Georgia Tech taking it, eighty-two seventy-six. Wow. Are you gonna share? All right, if you got any kind of money on this, are you gonna share it with us? I I, I could I, I could borrow. <laughs> so my my cousin-in-law put ten dollars down because if you if they win straight up, it's fifteen hundred dollar payout for wow. ten bucks. But I, uh, the I thing admire- is. The, I admire the, your uh, cojones on that. Georgia yeah. Tech, they got the, the ACC Offensive Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. People were sleeping on Georgia Tech. They play a tough conference. No offense to the Big Ten, but I think the ACC is harder. I think the Big Ten beat up on each other this year, and they played some soft schedules. I'm just going to say that right now. Michigan State, not that good. Once again, want to reiterate that, but Georgia Tech is a sleeper for me. They don't. I don't they may not win at all, but I think they're going to upset some people. I think they're going to upset the UT Knoxville folks. Uh, sorry, folks, but I think you guys are getting beat by Georgia Tech in, uh, in the Sweet 16. You're on to something there. Uh, yep. So let me let me even see where I put Georgia Tech. I might be like completely the opposite end of the spectrum with you, and I might feel like an idiot later on and be like, why didn't I listen to Colin? I'm not going to change my bracket, though. That's cheating. Uh, you're good. You're good. I mean, like, you got not, time. My bracket is yep. set. Oh, my gosh. I actually have Loyola Chicago beating Georgia Tech Ooh. in the first round Ooh. as an upset. Well, Chicago is a good mid-major, though. I did do some are, research but... on that. But I'm going to probably regret that. Let me get into the bigger part of my bracket. So, I told you already that I don't feel super confident in it. Like, I haven't followed it as closely as I normally do this year in college basketball. But um, here's a team. It's a four seed that I'm really high on. And I feel like they're battle-tested. I feel like they've, they've been around for a while. They're a smart team, and that's Virginia. I got Virginia – going to my final four. Yeah, so I got coaching. I got Virginia. I, I just feel like in, in these types of situations, especially this type of season, it's all going to come down to coaching, leadership, and some veteran teams. So I've got Virginia in my final four. I've also got Michigan in my final four. I know Michigan stumbled down the stretch there. Uh, for the longest time, they only had one loss on the season. Uh, but I still got Michigan in my Final Four. I've got Ohio State in my Final Four, and I've got Illinois in my Final Four. So I'm Big Ten heavy, just like Rich. And um, I've got Michigan beating Illinois in, okay. in my championship. I know that's kind of chalk, but I did pick some upsets in the middle seeds. I definitely didn't go all chalk in the early part of the bracket. Um it's tough. You got to know what upsets to pick. There's always going to be upsets, but knowing which upsets to pick is always tough. If I'm looking over some of my upsets I have, um, I mean, I didn't pick a, a ton of upsets because, like I said, I do feel like this is that type of year where I think that the teams that are well-coached and battle-tested are going to do well. But So I don't have any crazy upsets this year. I don't have any 13 or 12 seeds going to the lead eight or anything like that. And I'm sure there will be one. I just couldn't take that dive. I couldn't do it. I couldn't take well, that leap. Every year since uh, well, I think it was 2000, since 2003, there's been a 12 over five upset. So you yep. got to pick one. Someone's got to do it. 
Well, but I like Michigan. I mean, Jawan Howard, you know, from Fab Five now being the head coach, he's a good coach, and he's comes he comes from a good coaching pedigree, and he's got those Michigan guys playing some good ball. I mean, they've had some slip ups there, but if he can keep them you know, focused in, dialed it, dialed in, they can do some damage. Now, so as far as your Loyola Chicago pick, uh, uh, Sister Jean wants to go to the games. I don't know if they're going to let her in because of COVID protocol, but <laughs> if she gets in, I think George Tech might send her home early. I'm just going to say that. There you go. That that that's those eight nine matchups are always really tough to pick. They uh, but I'm excited. I really am. I'm really pumped about March Madness. I'm one of those types where – so uh, I work a really weird bar, uh, work schedule as a bartender, and I can tell you Thursdays are one of my days off. And so that Thursday to open up the tournament, I can promise you I will not move from my couch. I will make sure that all my refreshments and food is within arm's reach. <laughs> I will only get up to go to the bathroom. Oh, at least you're doing that. Yeah, I will do that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like a sicko or anything. Like I'll okay. still get up to go to the bathroom, but uh, for the most part, I will not move from my very comfortable chair in my living room, and uh, it's gonna be fun. I really wish I could set up. I'm probably gonna set up my laptop for one screen viewing, and then set up my main TV as another one. I'm not one of those hardcore people that has like five TVs in front of them or anything like that. Oh, but, I have dual uh, monitors for a reason. <laughs> oh yeah, it's gonna be. I, I that Thursday to open up the tournament, I'm gonna be sitting there and I'm gonna be. Pretending like I know what I'm watching and analyzing it. And then we get to have uh, awesome episode 28 later that day. That's right, so right. we can already be scrutinizing our brackets. After and, we, and, we got a, and we got a Preds game too. So and I mean, we have a Preds that. game. So it's really <laughs> nice to have some sports back. Um, we hope everyone's staying safe. And we really do appreciate everyone following along with our podcast as we are Very now much. 27 episodes in. We love all of you. Uh, we appreciate all of you. We couldn't do it without you uh, watching and caring and downloading the podcast. So please go on to all your major podcast platforms. If you're watching tonight, go to Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, all those podcast platforms. We are on there. Rate, review, uh, subscribe. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And always give us your topics before we put an episode out there because we will definitely talk about what you want to talk about. Yep. I want, I want to put it out there. We got thirty the thirtieth episode coming up here pretty soon. You know who wore thirty for the, for the Predators, right? Late on us. I'm trying to. We're trying to get him, Chris Mason. We needed to come oh, on. Oh yeah. We oh, to come man. On the podcast. He's got Chris Mason is a very bit. Chris Mason's a very busy man doing the Fox Sports Tennessee work. But if Chris if Chris Mason man. happens to listen to the podcast or watching it right now, we would be more than honored if you came on the show. It, as much as all the Fox Sports Tennessee crew, because they all do yeah, a great right job, they really spoil us with our regional uh, coverage. Because I, I've watched plenty of regional broadcasts of other teams, mm-hmm. and we're there. We're we are very lucky, and I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna name certain teams or broadcast crews. I'm not trying to throw anyone under the bus, but we are very yep. very fortunate to have the broadcast crew we have. So Absolutely. any of those any of those uh, crew members, if they were came on our podcast, we'd be thrilled. But Chris Mason, we were putting the we were putting the invitation out there as if you needed an invitation. All you <laughs> right. had to do was ask hey, us. And we'd be like, Thank you. We'll stop. We'll drop all of our plans. Chris Mason gets the whole exactly. Episode. But um, we're, we're working. We'll just, on- we'll just sit and stare at him the whole time. We won't even talk. Oh, Rich, that would be really awkward. We'll be like, it'll be like that. Chris Farley, you remember that time when you <laughs> scored a goal? That was awesome. And then he would never come back ever again. He'd be like, you're know, right? away from those weirdos. Yeah, they're weird. 
But um, he probably already thinks we're weird. But maybe Chris Mason thinks weird's cool. I don't know. They might. Yeah. So uh, we're working on Chris Mason. We're working on getting some other awesome guests. He's got a beard. Episodes. We got beards. What, what yeah. More, what, what more we're, I'm bald. Yeah. Well, so. I'm, we're all bald. Yeah. We can. I we mean, can all. Yeah. We can all unite in being bald together. He is our kindred. He is our kindred spirit. So <laughs> right. Yes. Absolutely. So thanks everyone for listening to episode 27. Brought to you by DraftKings, as always, in the Hockey Podcast Network. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the promo code THPN before March Madness starts. On Thursday, I think most of the brackets have the rules where you have till Thursday to set your bracket. So use our promo code, pick on the underdogs, uh, and win, win you some money using our promo code. So until next time, uh, Chad Minton and Rich Howe and Colin Bluen, we will see you on Thursday. Uh, This episode will be posted uh, tomorrow morning if you're watching live right now on Twitter and Periscope. Until then, everyone stay safe and take care. Go Preds. Got a big win. And we will see you after the Florida Panthers game on Thursday. Until then, everyone take care. What's up, everybody? It's Jeremy from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For he's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show, goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Boland. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically a, a beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts.